Welcome to the sermon podcast of Christ Church Medicine, a community coming home to Jesus and His Church. For more information about us, visit ChristChurchMedicine.com. Would you uh, pray with me? Thank you, Lord, for your word, which is truth. And we ask now that you would use my word uh, to impart that truth. Uh, in a simple and profound way today. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. Wow, it's a joy to be here with you all today. Uh, yeah, woo, thank you. Uh, my name is uh, Pastor Jens Notstead. As Scott said earlier, I'm pastor over at Emmanuel in Whitewater, which is 40, 50 minutes southeast of here. Beautiful little town. Come visit anytime. Uh, we, uh, you know, I grew up coming up to Madison. Uh, this was, I grew up uh, 30, 30 minutes outside of town, Cambridge, and my, my memories of Madison growing up were of Badger football games. My parents had season tickets, so we would make the trek on home games on Saturday mornings and all my, my parents went to school here, my siblings, aunts, uncles, cousins, you know, we've got a lot of badger red in our blood. Um, this is actually way more fun to come up here today and preach to you all right now. I loved coming up when I was a kid with the sacred throngs of red and white, my, you know, towards Camp Randall Stadium, but this is fun. I am so overjoyed to be sharing God's word and preaching the gospel to you all, with you all today here at Christ Church. We love Christ Church. We love the Cunninghams. Thank you for having us. Uh, it's just an honor. I have, uh, just as a way of introduction, so I, I work um, yeah, with a kind of a church planting network called the Greenhouse, which is resident here in our diocese. And uh, so we have our, our parish in Whitewater, um, other things going on in Chicagoland, and we're starting new churches. Um, my wife, uh, Karen, and uh, three kids. I have uh, a daughter, Wilma, who's five, and then a son, Anders, who's three. I'm looking at my notes like I need to. I don't need my notes for this. Um, and Nels, who's our pandemic baby. He was born Mar March 4th, 2020, so he's a little over one. Um, and uh, speaking of, of my wife, I wanted to start just sharing a story I think helps us today. Uh, so after we got engaged, this is several years ago now, we, we were like, okay, what's a fun thing to do? We're living in different states. How do we kind of get together on a regular basis just to enjoy having fun together? Let's take a dance class. So we signed up, kind of a prototypical engagement thing. We signed up for our dance classes in Chicago. Unfortunately, we signed up for West Coast Swing. Is there any West Coast Swing dancers? It's hard. Like, I don't, okay, first of all, I'm not a dancer. Uh, I grew up on a dairy farm, so that precludes me from most movements in my body that are graceful or anything entertaining. <laughs> but uh, it's not East Coast Swing. There's more nuance to it, for sure. There's more, there's a, like a certain rhythm. There's only a couple songs that we heard in our dance class, because apparently only a couple songs actually have the right kind of syncopated rhythm for West Coast Sing. Long story short, we were in over our heads, big time. Uh, so we tried, we did our best. Uh, I'm an engineer by trade, uh, so I, I'm thinking, how do I make this work uh, in an engineering style? 
of, of thinking, which is not the way to dance, right? Uh, and even, you know, so even to this day, uh, you know, we'll go to a, a wedding or something, I'll be dancing with Karen, and I'll start, you know, I'll start like doing the counting, all right, like one, two, three, and four, five, and she'll be like, stop it, we're dancing, <laughs> don't, don't give me this counting stuff. We had one day at the class where no one else came. I think it was like a blizzard or something, but they didn't cancel it. So we were the only ones in this class. There are all the couples that have been taking it with us. So it was just us and our instructor, Richard. And so I got into engineering mode again and was like, oh, okay, this is the perfect opportunity, Richard. You've been teaching us the basics, you know, the essentials. How do you just have the rhythm and the right kind of balance and everything? Now show us every move that's possible in the West Coast Swing repertoire. So we spent the next hour doing two minutes of dancing and six minutes of talking. While Richard's like, no, 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 here it is, and do this, and then that. And then we do two more minutes of dancing, and then he's like, no, do this. And I was just like, okay, give us more, feed us more. By the end of the class, we were more discouraged and frustrated <laughs> because we couldn't do it. It was too hard. We didn't have the basics, and we were thinking about it. It was basically a lecture on dance that we had just received. To this day, that night of dance class is one of my greatest regrets from our early relationship. We should have just danced. <laughs> we should have danced together. We had an hour with a professional dancer who could, have, uh, you know, who could have danced with us, me with Richard, Karen with Richard, Karen and I, it didn't matter. We should have just been dancing and having him speaking encouragement, course corrections here and there. But why, why were we lecturing? Why were we thinking about that? Why was I trying to engineer dancing? Dancing is not something you engineer. You just dance. Let me contrast that quickly with my brother, Garrett. I hope you all meet him someday. So my brother grew up with the same dairy farming background, right? Same genes, same dance-averse father. You'll meet him this afternoon, Jeff. Great guy, terrible dancer. <laughs> Garrett is an awesome dancer. To the point now where every family wedding, he has a request. He's got a specific song. It's a Justin Bieber song that he has a choreographed dance to that he won awards for at dance competitions. He did it at his own wedding. He did a solo dance at his own wedding. <laughs> By request. <laughs> I asked him, Garrett, you got to tell me, what's your secret? How did you become such a good dancer? And he looked at me like the idiot I am and said, I just danced. That's all I did. So apparently, after I went off to college, he was still in high school doing the evening milkings on the farm. He'd be milking on his own. He would crank up Power 105.9 on the barn radio, and in between switching milkers from one cow to another, he would just dance. He would practice his dance moves alone in the barn. Okay, so why all this family, not said family dance history talk? Today is Trinity Sunday, right? In the church calendar, Scott mentioned it. We've been praying through it. This beautiful feast where it really just kind of launches us into this extended, profound season of uh, Pentecost, of ordinary time, of living life in the Spirit, right? Green is the color of the Spirit of God. this first Sunday here after Pentecost, celebrating the most fundamental reality of all things, 
before all things, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. That beautiful hymn we just sang, we believe in the Trinity. And the early church had a way of describing God and the Trinity in this way. Some of you, maybe many of you, have probably heard this, periochoresis. It's like a dance. That Greek, that's a Greek word. It means dancing around, literally dancing around. You think of a dance, you think of dancers. There are multiple persons, but kind of this unity of motion, right? This unity of direction. Multiple persons, but a unity. Three, but one. The Trinity. Periochoresis, Trinity. This dynamic unity of God as a dance. Now, hopefully your eyes haven't totally glazed over already. That's really as far as I'm going to go with any sort of theological language. For those who are really interested in that, sorry, this is not that kind of sermon. There are lots of other great teachings on the depth and riches of the Trinity of God, three in one, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. That's not today. So if you got lost right there, or if you're a little disappointed that you're not getting more, let me just bring us back right now. If God is a dance, which I think is a great analogy and really helpful, and I'm thankful for the church for that gift of that term. If God is a dance, then how do we learn about God? We start dancing. We just dance. Forget about those specifics just for a moment. Kind of put away your Western, American, scientific engineering brains that like to figure things out and get to the nuances and start dissecting things and how does it all work? What, I mean, tell me just how it works. Tell me the dance moves. Put those little feet in their diagrams where they turn and then they go like that and then you do like that. Just take a break from that for the next 15 minutes. For the next 20 minutes. Just don't figure it out. nice, huh? It's kind of nice to not have to figure it out. There is great theological richness there. Actually, in some ways, too much, which is why dance is really helpful as an analogy. It's impossible to describe fully our living God, the God that is Trinity, three in one. And that's a good sign for us. If you had a God you could fully describe, of whom you could plumb the entire depths of with your intellect, would that be a God worth worshiping? I don't think so. There is real mystery here, real unknowability in some ways. We cannot know all about God until we meet him face to face. And until then, when describing him, describing God as Trinity, his three-in-oneness, I think a dance is actually really helpful. Now, by the way, this is just, this is not a prolonged advertisement for the, the Trinity Barn dance and the Jamboree tonight. I want you all to come really badly, but Scott and I did not plan this ahead of time. Um, okay, yeah. <laughs> Sundays at four. Uh, we want you all to come, but th this really is how the church has seen God. And this is really how I think we need to, to recover how to see God in many ways and how God has revealed himself to us, right? This is something he's shown to us. This is who I am. 
So let's uh, talk about Nicodemus for our second, our old friend Nicodemus. And this is a fun story we read in our Gospels, if you have our bulletins, for those at home uh, from John chapter 3. Don't you just love Nicodemus? He's kind of like the honest, sincere skeptic. And we actually, praise the Lord, we get his trajectory later on in the Gospel of John where he actually is moving closer and closer to the Lord. He's an honest seeker. But we get this piece right here at the beginning. Coming to Jesus by night, testing things out, kind of trying, testing out the waters a little bit, okay? Coming by night, so maybe a little secretive, but also maybe, hey, maybe I can get him by myself here and just have a prolonged conversation without interruption. It's possible. Nicodemus, a Pharisee. So, so far in the Gospel of John, Jesus has turned water into wine. He's been overturning temples. Like, hey, I kind of like this guy. He's got an edge to him. He's coming into the temple. He's disrupting this kind of current stad religiosity that's plaguing our people. It's something a Pharisee would probably welcome. Pharisees being kind of these religious purists, Jewish purists. So Nicodemus is curious, and he's like, yeah, this is, this is fun, this is good. Let me just ask a few questions first. You can see him just kind of just dipping his toe. Hey, Jesus, yeah, just dipping his toe in the water. I wonder how this, is this warm? Can I, can I bathe here? And Jesus, the Son of God, who knows our very hearts, <laughs> cuts to Nicodemus' heart. And says, truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Nicodemus, this isn't about having the right answers or all your ducks in a row. It's about entering into a new kingdom, a new way, a new life, being born from above, born again. This is different, holy other, a new life entirely, a new way. And if Nicodemus thought he was dipping his toe in the water, now he's at a 30-meter board, diving board, going, whoa, whoa. There's a great video the New York Times put out. Some Swedish, have you seen this last year? Some Swedish researchers paid a bunch of people roughly 30 bucks to climb up to the top of one of those 30-meter platforms. And they had like four or five cameras just pointed right at these people and the whole platform. Just strange, you know, random people, not professional swimmers or divers. Paid them to climb up there and just watch their responses. It's hilarious, okay? You get the kind of the bro machismo guys who are getting, you know, they're climbing up the ladder and they get up the top and then they start to walk and walk and then they're like, ah, 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 and then they go back to their friend and they're like, no, you go. <laughs> and some people will stand at that edge for four or five minutes. They'll stand right there and they'll get so psyched up and people are chanting and, no, I can't, I can't do it. One lady, there might have been others, my favorite was just uh, one older lady who just climbed up. She, I mean, it's a long climb to get up to one of those 30 meter, or 10 meter platforms, 30 foot. She got up there, she got off the ladder, she took two steps forward, peeked out over, and just went right back down. She <laughs> didn't even get close. I don't know if she got the 30 bucks or not. I feel like this is a little bit of what happens to Nicodemus. He's come, he came for a little midnight swim, right? A calm, cool, relaxing swim. And now he's looking over the precipice of a deep dive because Jesus has called him. He's called his bluff a little bit, said, no, this is the real thing. This is an all-in thing. Jesus has pushed the point. Following God 
being a Christian, following Jesus, this is not some mere intellectual pursuit, a kind of thought experiment, something you can kind of have fun chatting over a beer with, although there's a place for that, sure. But it's not a replacement for the dance, for the real thing, for diving in. And there's a real temptation to a sort of armchair Christianity, right? You kind of keep the practical realities at distance while holding on to maybe some basic essentials, thinking the right things, you know, having kind of our intellectual ducks in a row, maybe. The problem with that being Jesus was never interested in that, never encouraged that. I mean, can you imagine an encounter with Jesus in the Gospels? The rich young ruler. Hey, you know what? You're right, rich, long, rich young ruler. You have kept all the commandments. Keep on keeping on. <laughs> what does he say? He says, sell all your stuff. Do something. <laughs> Respond. <laughs> One thing you lack, go sell all your stuff. Do something. Respond to this message this way. Join the dance. Respond to this great initiative of God's love. That's it. Actually, an outpouring of his love within himself, right? God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. God is love. God didn't need us, but God wanted us. And out of that great love, we were created. Respond to that. Join the dance. If God is a dance, the infinite fount of joy and love, then there is a response. There's a call to respond to that initiative. Join in the dance. And that's an either-or kind of thing, like being born. You're either dancing or you're not. Jesus' language here, the challenge to Nicodemus, is not a mistake. Jesus didn't like think back like, oh, I was a bit strong here. I should have, taken, should have maybe taken a lighter tact with Nicodemus. No, he said, be born again for a reason. You must be reborn. That's an all-in statement. That is a call to action. You can't really stay half-born. To all the mothers in the room, I've been in a few delivery rooms now. Anyone wish your labor and delivery would have lasted indefinitely? Just kind of prolonged this birthing. You know, there are phases, it's a process, but you're hoping when you go to the hospital or when the midwife comes, that after the labor starts, it ends, right? You don't just like want to hang out in the birthing phase. There's clear options at the end of the day. Stay in or come out. And if you're coming out, let's be quick about it. Be born. Enter. Go through the door. Start walking. Dance. Jesus is clear. Later on in the passage, verses 10, 11, don't be astonished at this. This is actually how things work all the time, right? In reality. If the most fundamental reality of all things is a triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, three in one, then you think that would be reflected throughout his creation, right? We'd see that around. We'd see the dance embodied in a creation that reflects its creator. Verse 12. If I have told you about earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe 
if I tell you about heavenly things. A rough prayer phrase, prayer phrase that might be, doing is believing. We cannot expect to have all these mental or spiritual breakthroughs and epiphanies if physically and emotionally we're in a different world. Belief often follows action, right? We're unified beings, body, soul, heart, mind. Belief and action are together, like this. That's certainly how the ancient world saw it when they talked about belief. It wasn't just checking a box. It was a whole life. So in everyday life, if you want to get better at playing piano, guess what? Play the piano. If you want to get better at soccer, go out and play soccer. If you want to get better at reading, read. Read good books. If you want to understand God better, follow him. Start dancing. At the end of this passage, Jesus declares, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but may have eternal life. This great summation of the gospel, good news, the message of Jesus, his mission for us. God's gift in his Son dying for us. Do we really think that all that means is having the right formula? Kind of having the right spiritual equation? on hand, or is it dancing, joining in, entering the kingdom of God, being born anew, walking the narrow and joyful way of faith that so many before us have walked this path that leads to the great final dance, the wedding feast of the Lamb, where we will meet our Lord face to face, the path to our Heavenly Father that our Lord Jesus pioneered that's available to all who turn and repent and follow him and that's empowered by his Spirit dwelling in us, the very life of God in us. Let's make no mistake, there will be dancing in heaven. Don't you want to practice a little bit before we get there? Here's the fun thing about this too. We have nothing to lose, right? Our passage from Romans, this, uh, this little section of Paul's letter here, what a beautiful, encouraging word to us, isn't it? It's amazing. This is inside our language. This is family language. This is come to the table. Here's your seat. There's no room for spectators here. You're received. You've received a spirit of adoption. Get in here. Pull up a chair. Sit down. This is your table. We have that security as sons and daughters of the living God to then go out, make a fool of yourself. No one's a perfect dancer. It's risky to join into that, right? This involves a kind of death. Paul mentions at the end of that passage, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified in him. Dancing requires death. Joining in requires giving up our pride, self-regard, right? Our reputation, what's someone else going to think of me? Our schedules, our structured life, our expectations, those all kind of fly out the window when you just start diving in. You lose control. And I do believe, friends, that there is a season upon us now brothers and sisters in Christ, or those who may be here or joining, 
that might be seeking the Lord, investigating the claims of Christianity, of Jesus. I'm glad you're here. It's good for you to be here. You've started dancing, whether you know it or not. There is a season upon us where the world is going to be relearning many things. Resetting patterns and rhythms. This is sort of a, an amazing malleability to our world right now. Wet concrete. How do we socialize again? And that's not a simple question. You don't just pick that stuff up, right? In a world and culture that's actually gotten pretty bad at community, how do we emerge from no community? <laughs> from no interaction, from minimal socialization? How do we meet new people? How do we interact with strangers? How do we welcome people into our homes? How are we welcomed in turn into others' homes or into a church? How are we inconvenienced by people? This is a big one, right? We've had some pretty inconvenient things externally, but many of us have probably had some really convenient things, working from home, not commuting, very limited socializing. Believe it or not, I'm an introvert. I love not having to go out. I really do. But I also know it's wrong, <laughs> that I actually need to, <laughs> that it's good. Right now, we as the church and as Christians, as the body of Christ, as the family of God, we can actually lead. We can lead the world in dancing again. We can do it. We can dive in. Those simple moments, it's so easy to pass over or avoid. Someone unloading their groceries on the sidewalk, a stranger who's obviously upset and distraught on a park bench, waiting at a bus stop and just not pulling out your phone, but maybe just waiting and seeing if the Lord has something for you with the three other people that are standing awkwardly within eight to ten feet of you. Because we don't want to be too far from people, but we don't want to be too close right now either. Just dance. Get in there. Mix it up a little bit. Make a fool of yourself. What do you have to lose? Here's a great one right now. I have a really specific one. This one's close to my heart. I'm not sure why. We're in the summer. We're going to be traveling a lot. Hopefully, people are out in their cars, on the highways, on the roads. If you see a car pulled on the side of the road and it's safe, just stop. Just pull over in front of them. Stop your car, walk back, and ask if they need anything. 95% of the time, they won't, but you never know. And guess what? You probably just made your own day because you started dancing. You interacted with someone who had a simple need, and you offered yourself. You sacrificed whatever, gas mileage, time, <laughs> inconvenience, a little insecurity. What if they brush me off? What do you have to lose? So then, brothers and sisters, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. And let me tell you something about children. They are great dancers. Am I right? I was just watching videos of our oldest 
at a wedding a few years ago. Actually, it was in Church of the Resurrection. In the lobby there, the reception, this was her first kind of wedding as a participant. We have a great video of her just losing it on the dance floor. You could see my wife and I were both watching. I mean, there's pictures of me with like three diaper bags on because we've got the other kid and we're trying to leave and then she gets like, she gets like looped into the corner of the dance floor and the spark just flies on. It's like, wait a minute. I can just move my body whatever way I want and it's fun and people are all doing it around me at the same time. So she just goes for it. You know, she's stopping and turning. And because she's a Notstead, it's all angles, right? So it's not graceful, but it's awesome. Just letting loose. When you put your trust in the Lord, like a child <laughs> trusts in its parents or father and mother, and you believe in him, and believe like give yourself to him, like children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. We are in the family business through the blood of Christ. We are in. We are children of our infinitely loving, dancing God. When you are free to do so, when you really join the dance, you'll see the Lord move. You'll see your heart open. Changes that you didn't think were possible are now possible in your heart or in your friends or loved ones. No wonder Christ calls us to become children again, to enter his kingdom. We must be born again. We must become dancers. Thanks be to God. Amen.